All right, good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney here, Mass Mutual Agency Brokerage. It is a beautiful Wednesday, mid-May morning. I'm joined by Steve Parisi, my good friend and counterpart here, who's always with me talking about whole life and talking about business concepts. Steve, how are you today? Fantastic, my friend. How about yourself? Real good. Real good. All right. <laughs> um, we were having a conversation about uh, a case, a couple of cases that I was working on in the past where we ran into problems after the fact with the client and wealth managers who, um, you know, we're trying to do right by the client, nothing wrong with with what they're doing, but we're really trying to blow up um, what we had put in place, which we thought was a really great complimentary uh, whole life plan for a variety of reasons, death benefit uh, protection, obviously, um, supplemental retirement income, and just kind of backfill of um, uh, cash value as a as a as an emergency reserve. Um, and these guys, you know, people typically promote what they sell and sell against what they don't sell. So these guys were pushing pretty hard that. Uh, you know, this was wrong and this was the wrong kind of plan. And here's the plan that that you should be involved in. And, you know, I mean, we could we could talk about that to death, but you've got to come. You have to run into scenarios like that uh, from time to time where you have a client come back and, you know, somebody's chirping in their ear. And, you know, what, what, how does that usually play out for you guys? Yeah, good question. We don't run run into it a whole lot, but the situation just kind of, just to kind of recap because agents listening, I think this is every agent's fear and one of the worst things that can happen that can really keep you up at night too, which is you sell someone a policy, they love you at, at the time of sale, they love the policy, maybe they have it for a couple of years, and then a competitor that is anti whole life or selling a different product says, "Why did you do this?" pokes holes in it. And then the client comes back to you, maybe even with that competitor, the wealth advisor or whoever it might be, and says, like, what did you do here? This is horrible. And now all of a sudden you went from having credibility up here where you had a great relationship to all the way down in the sewer and you're like a, a sleazeball. Is, yeah. that, is that kind of the issue? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it can take a variety of different forms. I'll give you yeah. a specific example because I think it will help for people that are listening. Yeah. I had a big case that we worked on, uh, this was a couple of years ago, that came in from a center of influence of mine, who, who this this was like a trusted uh, friend of his that he had grown up with, who, who was a high net worth guy. And my contact brought this guy in and wanted to do some insurance planning. Um, we didn't do anything overly outrageous. I mean, everything was like right in line with... Um, what this guy's assets and liabilities and net worth and, and income looked like his beneficiary situation. Um, the guy very clearly was going to do whatever my center of influence told him to do. Yeah. And he made a couple of comments through the process that really made me uncomfortable because I could tell that he wasn't really all that interested in um, understanding what we were doing, which wasn't all that complicated and was just like, Oh, whatever you got, you know, uh, just tell me, tell me where to send the check. And I don't know if it was a hundred dollar check. Um, I guess I, I might not have thought twice about that, 
But if it's a $50,000 annual check, even though, you know, this guy very easily could could afford that with his income and his assets, it still felt like, I don't know, you're a professional. Like, this feels feels like you should understand this. Or know what you're getting. Yeah. Care. Or, yeah, it shouldn't just be like, I just wrote the check because this guy told me to write the check. Um, I never felt comfortable with that. A couple years later, he came back to us and someone else was in his ear and they were ripping apart what we did and wanted him to do something else. And he kind of had a little bit of an attitude of like, maybe we had taken advantage of him a little bit. And, right. we, you know, I, I've never felt like I've really taken advantage of anybody in that way. And especially not this guy. I mean, I, I hit the brakes a couple of times while we were going through underwriting to talk to him about like, hey, I want to make sure you really understand this. And um, if you think maybe like we should do something di- like, you know, this is I'm, I'm making suggestions here. This yeah. is your family. This is your money. You know, I'd like to hear that you understand this and you're on board, not I'm just doing what I'm told. Yeah. And I trust you. And it, who he trusted at that time, just to, to be clear, was the center of an, center of influence, the, the referral right. source. Who, who was bringing the case to me? Yeah. I, I wasn't really, you know, like he was the quarterback. I was really just kind of executing. Yeah. Working with the carrier and, and doing my thing. So I, I didn't, you know, it wasn't for me to pull in or pull out of this situation. But I remember at the time thinking, uh, this guy should understand this. It's not. Yeah, it's, we weren't working on anything wildly complicated, and he just didn't have the time to, you know, kind of think about it for ten minutes. Cor- correct, correct. And you can't. You, <laughs> what none of us would want is for someone to come and say, "Well, you said just, hey, I trust you guys, so this is what we set up." It's like, yeah, you took advantage of me. Like, no, no, we didn't do that. We did what right. we would do for ourselves. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. In in that type of situation, we we don't run into it a whole lot. I have run into similar situations in the past. So what I'll do in a case like that is firstly up front, try and make sure that they they do understand everything. And most of our clients do do the research, which is why we don't have that problem. They're educated. Or if it's a center of influence situation, because we have had clients that said, hey, whatever my my attorney or whoever, whatever over here says, that's what I'm going to do. But that attorney is very, very good and understands it. And then they're signing off. Okay, so you've got someone doing the vetting for them. Someone's doing that research up front to prevent the person from being taken advantage of. So the upfront work is going to help. But to get back to the situation, like when someone does feel hurt or taken advantage of, even if you did everything right and someone else is beating up what you did, how do you respond to it? What I've done in the past and what I found successful is to talk to the person about the original plan and just go over again some of the main points about what they liked and why they started the policy. And how I will approach this is never say, we discussed this, or like I said, little things that could feel like jabs that might be demeaning to them that will kill the deal. That is where 99% of people go wrong, in my opinion. They say something and the person doesn't remember any of the facts or the data. They just remember you being a jerk because you said something that irked them in the wrong way. I can hear myself saying, we talked about this. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, like, because yeah. I, I I do in those kind of situations, I have my back up a little bit because 
you know, my integrity is being challenged. And, and, you know, I feel like, no, we, we talked about this was discussed in detail. You didn't want to hear it. You weren't listening. And, you know, and that's not the right approach. Correct. But I mean, that that's a normal feeling. Like a lot of us feel like that, like we went over this and it was all good. Like now I have to go back and do it again. And I, but I don't want to rub someone the wrong way because that's, that's the issue that often occurs, right? People say they want it straight, but if you, if you bring it up in the wrong way, it's dead. So what has helped me when trying to remind someone about what we've gone, gone over before is one, the upfront work, they've got recordings so they can watch that. And that way they can look at it and say, oh yeah, I forgot about right. that. And then it never even comes up. But if it's on the on a call, what I what I might say is, you may recall how the policy works. Do you remember in the first two years when the funding goes in, if you pay in $100,000, your cash value is 80,000. Second year, you get almost the full 100K back. Do you remember that part? Do you recall how that works? If not, I can go over it again. But right. always give them that out so they can say, yeah, I got that. Or no, no, no. Explain that. I to don't me. remember that at all. Right. Yeah. What it, whatever it is. And then what I'll go over is exactly what we discussed there. Like, okay, no problem. So you've got your base premium here. The premium piece doesn't show up in cash value in the first and second year. That PUA piece, the PUA piece, which you've been slugging money there. Great job. You're over the hump, actually, the first two years. So you're going to see more and more money come back. You recall how that part works? I'll keep asking that question because I'm giving them reminders. I had a situation like this with a guy who paid in a a million dollars per year where he was questioning what he had done. But then during the phone call, he said, okay, yeah, it's coming back to me now. Sorry that I was was going through all that info and being somewhat testy with you there. Um, He actually said that. He was a very humble guy and we've got a really good relationship now. But my point is what I found- That never happens. What's that? <laughs> that never happens. Well, I mean, he's a, a very uh, um, upfront guy. He'll speak what's on his mind. He'll talk about how he was feeling. And he said, you know, when I approached you, I was kind of upset with what had happened. But then as you talk through it, you listen to me. I remembered some things. Okay, it's coming back to me now. This is why I did it. And he confirmed his his thought pattern, which I appreciated because it allowed me to know how he was thinking throughout the process, um, or I should say afterwards. But with all that said, my goal was to, in a tactfully and considerate way, allowing the person to keep their dignity, go over what we had discussed before and allow them to come to the conclusion, that's right, I said this, I was interested in this for that reason, I remember when I said that, help them get to that on, get to that stage on their own. Because if I just try and come in like a bull and say, don't you remember you said this? It's not going to work. Like you're going right. to ruin the relationship. They're never going to want to talk to me again. Like it's not going to work. So what I'll do there is again, remind them in the nicest way possible to put it that way. Does that make what sense? What about any kind of conversations with uh, wealth management professionals who are um, you know, totally against any kind of permanent life insurance or, you yeah. know, spending any kind of dollars on these types of plans. Have you had situations where either after the fact the client had been sold on on that kind of plan by somebody else, or they're getting you on the phone with their investment advisor to talk through some things and it becomes a you know, kind of confrontational 
type of conversation or they or someone wants it to be a confrontational type of conversation yeah good question um so i have had calls joint calls with the client and their wealth advisor and or tax attorney um advisor that was anti whole life um and they've always worked out well i can say that sometimes or, or the times they have worked out well actually is when i'll ask questions to the wealth advisor or the tax attorney about whole life insurance. So, okay, are you, are you familiar with it? Did you get to see the design? Yeah, I saw it, you know, I've heard whole life insurance, it's horrible. You're typically correct, especially if cash value is the goal. If someone has a basic whole life insurance policy, you'll see they'll, they'll, they're paying whatever premium in and they've got zero in cash value in the first year. Is that typically what you've seen? Just confirm. So that's this way I can understand their present understanding of whole life insurance. Yeah, that's typically what we see. Did you notice the client's policy where when they made a payment of that $100,000, they had 85 to 90% in the first year? Had you seen options like that before? Okay, yeah, I've seen that before here and there, or no, I didn't see that before, but just confirming if they understand what the client has and then helping them see that it's much, much different than what they're used to seeing. Right. Yeah. Questions on that part? No, no. Okay. So progressing through it, what we'll continue to do is educate them really on a whole life insurance policy and say the design really mimics what corporations do. I will discuss the commissions because that's on the forefront of their mind. Um, I remember with a- uh, How do you like, how do you address that? Yeah. Um, usually they ask. <laughs> so that that gives me the in there. So I, I can share this. I was on a uh, a joint call. This is how I met Elizabeth Morgan, the, the tax attorney I mentioned sometimes, with a uh, one of her clients that were interested in whole life insurance. On that call, I had no clue who she was at this point in time. On that call, she opened with something like, yeah, I don't really like whole life insurance. I don't like whole life insurance agents. I've had a lot of bad experiences. And this is a high-powered attorney that, that works with billionaires. And it's me, right? Like, all right, I sell whole life insurance. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, no, no problem at all. So she starts asking questions about the policy. What's the commission rate? What's the cash value look like? So I just go through it and I'm as transparent as I can possibly be with every detail because that's typically, that is the solution there. So transparent with respect to the commission rates. Here's the client, client's illustration. We pull that up. Here's the money going in, but here's the breakdown between premium and this PUAP piece. Are you familiar with those two? Yeah, I know what those are. Okay. The premium piece is what drives the commission. With this product, the commission on the premium in the first year is 93%. That is like, yeah, that's it right there. I'm like, yep, yep. Here's the product we're looking at. The commission on the premium with this product is 11%. The PUA piece is 2%. And I even remember her saying like, that's still 11%. That's a huge amount. I'm like, yeah, it is. But what we always do is minimize commissions as much as we can, just playing the rules of the game. And once we minimize them, we know what the product will look like, look like, and it kind of is what it is. Every design we have does minimize commissions for, for us in order to maximize value. But that's the transparency around the rates, the overrides and everything like that. And she was like, all right. <laughs> but it went from showing teeth, like, what are you trying to sell my clients? You're trying to rip them off here. 
But transparency, not trying to smooth talk her or sell her or anything like that, just helping her understand how it works and that it is, in fact, different than what what's traditionally sold to people that I remember that moment where it helped. And then I followed up with her three times to try and get a meeting. And I finally did just talk to her more and realize she understood the product better than most agents. Um, but now we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about all right? So that's um, you know that's typically a big hurdle or a big um, you know point of contention. What about just like the general um, you know if you're doing this for cash accumulation, we can accumulate more cash through a variety of different investment vehicles. Yeah. So really good question there. So if a wealth manager comes in and says whole life insurance is not a great area to position cash because the returns stink. You can earn a much higher return over here with these funds or something like that. And they're trying to convince the client to stop paying into the policy or cash it out and move the money into a different right. uh, asset. What I'll say is, you know, you definitely could do that. And when you look at a whole life insurance policy, if it's set up properly with one of the major mutual companies, the net growth rate, the internal rate of return is going to produce somewhere between three to five percent. So what I can let you know, Mr. and Mrs. Wealth Advisor, is that the clients we work with that put in six figures or seven figures per year, they'll view this typically a, as a, a bond alternative a lot of times with the death benefit. Cash value is always maximized. And then they'll have other assets in addition to that. So usually they're using everything together. Um, I mean, it's ultimately up to the client. We're going to show them how it works and let them choose. But that that's how most people approach it. High-end corporations, when we work with corporations, we'll set up the same way, and then mimic that design for the client. Like that's that's what we do. And then kind of put it back in their court because we're just sharing what people do. The advantage we have at this point in time is that we have clients that put away literally seven figures per year that have other assets that are very, very high net worth. And it's like, you can't really argue against that to say, hey, it doesn't work. It's like, look, it's worked right. beautifully all this time. Same thing on the corporate model. And if you're working with a, I don't want this to sound wrong, someone who might have a very, very big ego you know, from a, a wealth manager that is, um, what I might say is, you know, our largest client is a bank and, the way that, that policy, the, their policies are constructed, it's different than what individuals can get. But what you will see with bank-owned life insurance is it is cash-rich immediately. The commission rates are minimized to the broker, but it's typically in a large volume of money, so they still pay. I'm not saying that you don't get paid anything. But what we found is copying or mimicking that model as much as you can for individuals works beautifully. And when you look at the corporate side, corporations that are taking out cash value life insurance policies, which was my background before I got into the sales world, that's what I did. That's who, that's what we do for corporations. And we do the exact same things thing for individuals and small business owners. Like that's it. It's all a cash accumulation play, knowing the rules of the game, how to maximize it so you know how to play it. And then two, you're willing to play, play the game because upfront you will make less but then over time, you do have the snowball effect uh, with respect to income. And that's me talking about me, the agent. Right. So you guys have, through your ILS, the subscription service yeah. for um, agents and brokers, 
do you have a lot of content that is training content that sounds like this kind of dialogue? Yeah, a lot of short videos, like how to overcome objections, whether it's put your money into the stock market, go with an IUL, go with a different asset. I'd rather put my money into real estate. Difference, whatever it is. Whatever those objections are and literally how, how I would respond to them, which hopefully you could tell on this call is not in a confrontational matter, manner. It's just what I've seen in the past, what we've done, what we found to be successful. That's it. We're a resource. Like the position that I want to take is we're a resource where people can get information like Amazon and they can plug this into their finances, right? If you get financial services from Amazon and you can do that and it's, it's very, very easy and it is what it is. So if you're upfront and transparent, it does alleviate the need to ever have to resell or argue your point and fight with someone else. Like, there's nothing good about that. In my opinion, it just results in headaches at the end of the day. Um, and I'd rather not do it. All right. So if you are listening to this and you are interested in this conversation and you've run into these kinds of objections or issues before, check out uh, Steve's website. Check out IBC. They've got this subscription service that agents and brokers um, can access. There's a variety of different things, but some of the video content is really good training content. Steve, I will tell you that, um, you know, outside of like the mass mutual world or the career agency world, agents are really struggling for um, just kind of basic training, you know? So I think that's a great service you guys provide. I would urge everybody to check it out. Um, and see if it's something that that uh, that may turn you on or help you with your business. Steve, thanks for your thoughts today. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much for your time. I will talk to you soon. See you guys. All right. Bye.